Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. We're returning to our, our lectionary readings. And we're reading from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 5, and from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. And I know that this is the first Sunday since Jonathan is retired. So returning to the lectionary might not be what you expected. You may have thought that we would turn to Joshua and where we read, Moses, our, my servant is dead. But this text here reminds us that there is spiritual hunger that gets satisfied. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in the Gospel of Matthew beginning at verse 13 of Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, taking a road trip, especially if you're going to be, if you're going to take a long road trip, it's probably a good thing to plan where you're going to stop and eat because you're going to get hungry. So it's good to know where you're going to get food. Because while on a trip, while junk food may be okay for you don't want to make your trip all about junk food. Uh, whenever Connie and I go to visit her mom, you know, before we leave home, we know where we're going to eat on the way back. <laughs> we know we're going to stop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania and eat at Park City Diner. 
where they have the world's biggest menu. <laughs> it's like 12 pages. <laughs> the waitress comes and she asks you, are you, are you ready to order? Say, no, I'm only on page four. <laughs> but it's great food. But if that's true about getting physically hungry, that you have to plan for physical hunger, it's also true of spiritual hunger as well. So what's your plan? What's your plan for spiritual hunger? Because we know to do nothing is dangerous. And one thing that we can be certain of is that everyone is spiritually hungry. Everyone, we, everyone longs to find satisfaction for their hunger. And here in our text, at the end of the story in, 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 of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Matthew says this, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, the scripture tells us here that spiritual hunger has a remedy. Hallelujah. And from the text, we want to see here the reason for the hunger, the responsibility to feed the hungry, and the remains after eating. So let's think about this. The reason for the hunger in Matthew 14, 13, and 15. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. I suppose before we answer the question of the reason for, for hunger, we need to understand what is spiritual hunger? So, and here's my, here's my definition for spiritual hunger, since, you know, I had difficulty finding a commentator or a commentary, and I said, you know, what exactly is spiritual hunger? Everyone talks about it, but they describe it, but they don't say exactly what it is. So here's my attempt at a definition. It's, spiritual hunger is that it is that primal longing for righteousness, justice, purity, peace, and acclaim. That that's what spiritual hunger is. It's that it's, it goes back to our very beginning, back to the fall when we lost the purity, the peace, the righteousness. When all of that was lost, the spiritual hunger is now primal. It's a primal longing for righteousness, justice, purity, peace, and acclaim. Jesus in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, he gives a description of spiritual poverty and hunger. And we see that the two are related. Because often, as you know, this is true, often hunger follows poverty. In Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness where they will be filled. There it is, righteousness. There's a hunger for righteousness. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So there's a desire, a longing for, for justice. You know, it's like, well, justice and mercy, they're not the same thing. They're not synonyms. Yes, but if you receive justice, it's because you've gotten mercy. Blessed, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There it is, purity. There's a longing and a desire for purity. Blessed, verse, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. There it is, peace. The desire for peace, for they shall be called sons of God. That's a claim. Spiritual hunger. 
is that primal longing for righteousness, justice, purity, peace, and acclaim. And now we've learned over the years that spiritual poverty is, is a broken relationship with God, and that, it, that that's why it occurs. Spiritual hunger occurs for the same reason. But too often, we forage for food in all the wrong places. For example, here in our text, if you, want to, if you want to know what foraging for spiritual food in the wrong place looks like, it's here in the context of the story. Because the passage begins in, in, verse, in verse 13 with hearing, Jesus hearing some news. Well, what is it that he heard? Well, look back to verse 1 and, and, and the, verse 1 to 12. It's John the Baptist. He heard the news that John the Baptist was put to death. And in, this, and in the context of their spiritual hunger is, is all over the occasion of the, of the Baptist's death. It's Herod's drunken birthday party and a foolish promise made to a precocious young girl being manipulated by her vengeful mother. Herod was behind the reason for the spiritual hunger. He's behind, he's not the reason, he's behind the reason for the spiritual hunger. And here we find here in this, story, in this context, a deficit of righteousness, justice, and purity, peace, and, and acclaim. Spiritual hunger that's looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And the lesson here, the lesson here is that spiritual hunger is not met by the current political offerings. See, Herod, he's like a lot of, of political figures. Self-interest and self-acclaim, you know, do what you must to save face and stay in power. See, and the people saw the contrast between what Herod had to offer and what Jesus offers. And Matthew, as you know, is all about showing how Jesus is king and Herod is not, or Caesar is not. You know, the people spiritually hungry and, and foraging for food, they turn from the, the emptiness of, of Herod to Jesus. They followed him out to a remote place. Why? Spiritually hungry, longing to be fed. And yet, they don't know just how much they need Jesus. Because John chapter 6 it's the same miracle. John chapter 6 is the same miracle, but with more detail added, as here's the conversation that Jesus has with them. In verse 26, Jesus answered them, and he tells the crowd, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You see, Jesus rightly diagnosed their problem, spiritually hungry. And the reason for the spiritual hunger, here's the reason for the spiritual hunger. The spiritual hunger is so that you can be found by the one whom the Father has sent. That's the reason for the spiritual hunger. And now, if there is spiritual hunger, as Jesus has pointed out, who is responsible to feed the hungry? Good verse, verses 16 through 19. There's a responsibility to feed the hungry. See, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. 
And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. So who's responsible? Who's responsible to feed the hungry? Jesus said, you give them something to eat. What? Look, listen, Jesus, we've already analyzed the situation. We're in a remote place. There aren't very many stores. And, you know, the villages are a long way away. And we don't have 200 penny worth of, of bread. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't be enough to buy bread for them. And, and, you know, look how many people are here. 5,000 men, besides women and children. Some commentators estimate that there is probably up to 24,000 people there. Lord, don't you? No, you see, yeah, you begin to you begin to check your resources to do what you're commanded, and immediately you feel your inadequacies. And I'm not belittling the disciples because I understand. I feel I feel their pain. You know, when Connie and I first came to Grace. Yeah, I, mean, I was a truck driver. I was, I was secure. I mean, we, I had worked 25 years. You know, it provided a good living for us. But, but I, and, and yeah, I was praying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Reaching across the lines of race and, and class, where do we begin? I'm not sufficient for these things. 13 years later, Jonathan retires. I feel the disciples' pain again. And I'm praying again, Lord, I am not sufficient for these things. You see, and while Jesus says, you give them something to eat, yeah, you feel, you feel your weakness. You feel your insecurity. You tell the Lord about how little you have. And he replies, bring them here to me. Oh, uh, not a relief. That's a relief that Jesus, bring them here to me. You see, whatever you have, whatever you have, give it to Christ. You, he and you together are responsible to feed the hungry. We're not on our own. Hallelujah. We're not doing this in our own strength, nor does the provision come from our limited supply. That's good news this morning. No, we bring the little we have and the Lord works his miracle to feed the hungry. Your part is to bring it to the Lord. His part is to multiply it. See, this is a tremendous lesson on, on feeding spiritually hungry people. See, when we look at the spiritual hunger in our community, isn't this true? When we look at the spiritual hunger in our, in, in our, in our city, we see how little we have. We feel our inadequacies. You know, that... That's a good thing because our weakness is his opportunity to showcase his power and provision. To bring your insecurity, bring your weakness, bring your insufficiency and watch what the Lord will do. It's our responsibility to feed the spiritually hungry, but with the help of the Lord. You know, the old song and the old saints, my old saints of, of which I'm now one, used to sing, little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame, there's a crown and you can win it 
if you go in Jesus' name. Have you heard that before? You see, in Jesus' hands, the little we have goes much further. This brings us to our third point, the remains after eating. Good verses 20 and 21. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. You see, the disciples here, they learned that the Lord could provide in the desert. He could provide, and, and, and it's in the midst of the wilderness, in the place of dire straits. When you feel your smallness, Jesus provides a banquet in the desert with leftovers. <laughs> and you see, the traveling wasn't done. They were going to be hungry again. The 12 basketfuls would be reminders that the Lord can provide in the desert. And why the reason? Why the reason for the number of people being fed? Why give that? Because it almost feels, when you read in the story, it almost feels like an afterthought by Matthew, but it isn't. You know, it's, it's to show us the magnitude of Jesus' power. It's the opportunity. So here's a testimony. There's a testimony here. It's, a test it's, an, it's an opportunity to testify to Jesus' glory. That's a claim. The boasting in the Lord's glory. See, in this, that, the, the list, this, this number given is to show the contrast, the further contrast between Jesus and Herod. See, Herod wanted a claim through the abuse of power, and out of his insecurity, he kills John the Baptist. Jesus, unlike Herod, Jesus gives away power, feeds the people, and it led to his acclaim. Now, I want to draw a few points of application here as we think about the reason for hunger, the responsibility to feed the hungry, and the remains after eating. So here's so just a few things. You know, at the reason for hunger. So here's the question. Are you spiritually hungry? The hunger, as we said earlier, it's so you could be found by the one whom the Father has sent. See, our world is spiritually hungry. There's no disputing that. But here's an example. Bitter Winter is a publication that monitors human rights abuse, and it, they report that in North Korea, the border security has tightened because of, of COVID-19. And the result is that hungry North Koreans whose children had defected to China or South Korea, they're now losing their food supply because their children while they, were, while, while they have defected, they would send money and they would send food back to North Korea. And there, you know, they, they, the, their families were taken care of, they were being supplied, but now they're starving because of the tightening, the tightening of security at the borders of North Korea. And many of these people, many of them are Christians. No righteousness, no justice, no Purity, no peace, no acclaim coming their way. They're spiritually hungry. In our own country, spiritual hunger, it, it, you see it. it. It's in the rioting. It's in, it's in the attacking of, of symbols of history. It's, it's in, it's in the, the, the senseless murder of, of neighbors, children, 
It's, the, in, the, it's in the decrying of, of police and, and, and government. All are, are acts of spiritual hunger. And not knowing where to find food, or at least thinking that somehow you are the supplier, that you supply your own food. Because they say they want righteousness, they say they want justice, they say they want purity, they say they want peace, they say they want a claim, but they don't know where to find it. And you see, knowing where to go to have your spiritual hunger satisfied is the most important thing in life. Hence the metaphor in scripture of bread and water. Essentials. You can't do without them. And our politics are, are powerless to meet the spiritual hunger of the people. Look at the difference between politicians and Jesus. Because Jesus is king, politicians are not. Human government, while needed, and we're grateful for it, can't satisfy spiritual hunger. And trying to satisfy your spiritual hunger through politics is like expecting a mill of cotton candy to fill you up. You know, they need to hear, they need to hear, and we need to hear what the, the Lord's speaking in Isaiah 55, 1. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. You see, receive the gracious offer of wine and milk without money, without cost. Now certainly, although it's offered freely, it does come at a great cost to the one who provides because Jesus paid the price to give to you and I this richest of fare. And he said, Jesus said, do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You see, the righteousness, the justice, the purity, the peace, the, the acclaim that your soul is looking for and longs for are found in Jesus Christ. That's the reason for, the, for hunger. That's, that, that's, that's, there's a responsibility. It's the second thing. It's responsibility to feed the hungry. How do you see the crowds? How do you see the crowds? Do you see them as hungry? See, Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them, verse 14 told us. So how, so how you think about how you think about the spiritually hungry will determine the understanding of your responsibility to feed them. Is it compassion or is it complaint? How do you see them at your core, in your heart? How do you see them in the image, in the image of God or as dead weight, as those who aren't working hard enough, who should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? Or do you see them as enemies that need to be destroyed? You know, Connie and I, we like this TV show called Long Lost Family. You know, people are, people, they're searching for their mother or their father or, or, or some siblings. You know, there's, there's a story, was one story, it was a one, this woman who has searched for, for 50 years for her mother. She had been left at, in a shoebox outside of a gas station at 12 hours old. They find her mother, 
I'm shortening the story. They find her mother, and her mother is now 92 years old. And when her mother says, he comes in, and the guy asks her, so do you know who this is? And she says, it's me. And you can see the look on her face, the relief that, you know, that, she's, that she's able to say, I'm the one who left that child there. And these, and these two, this mother and daughter, they, they get together and, and the reunion, it's, it's, it's like, you know, here, here, here it is that after all these years, I've been waiting to see you. And when they meet, they cry and they give each other a long embrace. And there was another woman, another woman's story. Her mother, after many years, uh, find, you know, she's, she's looking for her mother, 28 years or so. Her mother's found, but she doesn't want to meet the child that she abandoned. What's the difference? I would submit to you that the difference is that this 92-year-old woman in her heart never stopped loving that child in her heart. She loved her, she longed for her, she wanted her. That's the difference. See, how do you see the crowds? How do you see them in your heart? Do you see them as hungry? Do you see them as Jesus does? In your mind's eye, how, how do they appear to you? How else can you begin to love them the way that Jesus loved them? Do you see them as hungry? If you see them the same way that Jesus, you have to tell them, you have to tell them where they can find food. The food that satisfies. And then what do you have to offer? What do you have to offer to the hungry crowd? You see, what you have in, 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 what you have in, in your hands, you feel like it isn't enough, but you give it to Christ. And then we see how long it lasts. See, faith is needed to trust that Jesus is enough. And it's only as we obey him in feeding the hungry do we find that he supplies over and over and over again. That's the responsibility of feeding hungry. So the remains, the remains after eating, so we learn a lesson from the 12 basketfuls. You see, just because, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you won't be spiritually hungry again. You will be. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because the hunger means that you're working. It means that you're growing. It means you're, you're metabolizing what you've been eating. You're not relying on last month's meal. You're eating and expending energy. And the question that always comes is, is can God provide? Can the Lord provide food in the desert? See, and it's reminiscent of, of the children of Israel was as the Lord supplied manna for them. Isn't that, isn't that true? It's reminiscent of that. And yes, the, question, the answer to the question is yes. You need to feed on Jesus. You need to feed on Jesus. You need the gospel. You need the gospel over and over again. Con, Conrad Mbiway, he writes this about the satisfaction that Christ brings. He says, once... You have found Christ, or better still, once Christ has found you, you will never seek spiritual fulfillment anywhere else. He becomes your all in all. He satisfies your mind, your heart, and your conscience. Jesus really satisfies. Even when you're surrounded by poverty, failure, sickness, and death, you will not go elsewhere in order to bear such trying times. You will find your aspirations fully met in Christ. As the hymn writer says, 
with Christ in the vessel, I can smile at the storm. That hymn writer is John Newton. And see, all of this, all of this is to Christ's acclaim. As Isaiah 55.5 points out, surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that, you, that do not know you will hasten to you. Why? Because the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. You see, Jesus' fame is God-promoted. He does it through the nations coming to him for salvation. And the remains, after eating, what basketfuls are picked up, what that means is you get to share. We get to share in the work that Christ has done. It's his testimony. It's the gospel. It's what, it's what the message of the gospel is. And it's what we share among the nations. You see, the fact that he allows us to share in it, it satisfies our need for acclaim. See, for God, for just as God makes Christ glorious, he makes us to share in his glory. And you know, the thing about satisfying spiritual hunger is you have to eat. That means, that means you must trust Jesus. You can't benefit from his provision without trusting him. And so, yeah, Jesus is the reason for our hunger. He bears the responsibility to feed the hungry, and he is all that remains after the eating. So for, so for satisfaction, brothers and sisters, may our faith look up to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, more than we know, more than we are always able to admit, Lord, we need you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Be our satisfaction, Lord, in all that we do. Enable us by your spirit to bring the little we have to you that you might work your miracle and your acclaim and fame grows. We ask this for the glory of your name. Amen.